Good morning, church family. For it's wonderful to see all of you here today for our Mission Sunday. And what a blessing and honor it is to have such special missionaries join us today and to be able to share with us how the Lord is using them to minister to people on the other side of the world. So thank you all so, so much for joining us today. As for our text this morning for our Missions Sunday message, for it will come from the book of Romans, specifically from Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 15, or the message of salvation to all. And just to make sure that we are all on the same page here, church, in terms of what the Apostle Paul, the author of the book of Romans, is getting at here in Romans chapter 10. For as we see initially in verse 5, the Apostle Paul, for he writes this, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. And what the Apostle Paul is initially pointing out here, by citing that of Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, is in essence that theoretically, if a person could keep the whole law of God perfectly and completely, that that person then would receive or attain eternal life. However, as we all know, for that quite simply is not possible, since as the Apostle Paul already made clear back in Romans chapter 3, that none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks after God. Therefore, being that no one can keep the law of God perfectly and completely and receive eternal life based on their own good works or merit, for the Apostle Paul then, as we see in verses 6 and 7, citing from Deuteronomy 9.4 and Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 12 and 13, writes this, But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the, the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And that the righteousness that is based on faith, for it is not like the righteousness that is based on the law. In essence, the righteousness of faith doesn't say that we have to do the impossible or do things that we cannot do or achieve righteousness for ourselves. But what it does say, church, as we see in verse 8, the Apostle Paul citing here from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14, that the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. And that as one commentator explained it, for what God requires then for us to be saved or to be declared righteous church is not superhuman works of the law, but instead it is faith in the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, the very gospel that the apostle Paul proclaims. Which takes us now, church, to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. In order to be saved, a person needs to place their faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is absolutely critical then for Christians to be willing to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who still need to hear it. Again, our thesis statement this morning, church, is this. In order to be saved, a person needs to place their faith in Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, it is absolutely critical then for Christians to be willing to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who still need to hear it. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Romans chapter 10, as we will be looking specifically this morning at verses 5 through 15. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to take one of our church Bibles, which are located in the chairs in front of you as our gift to you this morning. And to not only take it and to keep it, but to also then read it, which you can start doing today by opening that brand new Bible of yours up at this time to page 946, and by joining us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, we will be in Romans chapter 10 this morning, church, and we will be looking specifically at verses 5 through 15, where the Apostle Paul, the author of the book of Romans, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, what a blessing it is to come into your presence this morning with our brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you this morning, our Father God. And Lord, we pray this morning that through your word that we be convicted, Lord, of any indifference that we might have toward evangelism or toward missions. Father, I pray that we see this morning that we, as individuals who were once dead in our sins, that we are only saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. For by works of the law, no one will be justified since it is through the law that we receive knowledge of sin. But we hold, we'll hold that we are justified by faith apart from works of the law, so that no man may boast. 
Father, let that truth ring clear in our minds this morning. Father, I pray that you open the eyes and the ears of each one of the dear ones here today. Soften their hearts to receive the word that they are given this morning. We pray that your scriptures convict them. And Father, I also pray that you help me at this time in my lisping and stammering tongue, Father, to glorify you as I preach through this text. And Father, I pray that the dear ones here this morning, that they be edified. I pray above all else, Father, that you be glorified and that you strengthen the fellowship that we have with you, Father, and with each other this morning, I pray. In your Son's name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, point number one. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verses 9 through 13. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So again, after the apostle Paul just got done saying, in essence, in verses 5 through 8, that in order to be saved or to be declared righteous, that one does not need to do the impossible or to try to achieve righteousness for themselves, but instead just needs to place their faith in the word of faith, a.k.a. in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the message that the Apostle Paul proclaims because... As the Apostle Paul goes on to explain in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And what the Apostle Paul is getting at here when he says in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, isn't just the idea of someone saying the words that Jesus is Lord or just voicing the words that Jesus is Lord or just at some point in their life pronouncing, giving utterance to, vocalizing or verbalizing the words that Jesus is Lord. But instead, what the Apostle Paul has in mind here when he writes in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, is that of a confession here, church, that displays someone's true and sincere and honest agreement that Jesus is Lord, and conviction that Jesus is Lord, and faith in Jesus as Lord, and their willingness to submit to and to serve Jesus Christ as the divine and sovereign Lord as well. And yet the Apostle Paul, for he does not stop there, but instead after writing in verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, for the Apostle Paul then writes in verse 9, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In essence, as Tim Keller puts it, for the basic body of content then put before us here in verse 9 is this, that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
which is a reference to all we know about Jesus' divine identity, and it was declaimed that he was supreme authority over the world, and that we must believe that he was raised from the dead. In other words, that we must believe in Christ's life, death, and resurrection for our sins. And as we see in the context from the rest of Romans chapter 10, that the word believe here means that we must trust our whole self to the person and to the work of Jesus Christ as our righteousness, or that we are to transfer our trust from our own efforts to the righteousness of Jesus' righteousness on our behalf, since that is the faith that saves, not merely a general belief that Christ lived or in his teaching, but instead we must place our trust in his work, in his death, and in his resurrection for us. Since verse 10, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved, which is the Apostle Paul emphasizing here fundamentally that one is justified or declared righteous by God, not by just merely knowing something intellectually, but instead by believing or placing their faith ultimately in Jesus Christ, the one who rose from the dead which will naturally then be confessed or declared from the mouth as well. To which the Apostle Paul then writes in verse 11, for the Scripture says, everyone who believes in him, in Jesus Christ, will not be put to shame. The Apostle Paul citing the prophet Isaiah here from Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16, which as a whole reads, therefore thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, A stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And the Apostle Paul, he cites the prophet Isaiah here in order to make the point that all those who do place their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, and not in that of their own good works, for they will not, verse 11, be put to shame, or be judged, condemned, or face the eternal wrath of their holy God that they deserve for their sins, which is a promise, church, that has, verse 12, no distinction between Jew and Greek, For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Since verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Apostle Paul citing in verse 13, Joel chapter 2, verse 32. In order to make the point here, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord or who looks to the Lord, or who turns to the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ in faith for salvation, that no matter if they are Jew or Gentile, Roman or Greek, slave or free, male or female, rich or poor, young or old or red, brown, yellow, black or white, that anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord in faith for salvation, for they will be saved. And they don't need their good works in order to earn it, their good deeds in order to merit it or even to keep every commandment of God in order to try to prove to God that they deserve it. But instead, all they need to do is call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died and who rose again in faith for their salvation, and they will be saved. David Burgess' church, for he once shared this, 
Now, there once was a family who lost three of their four children within a time frame of two weeks from a deadly disease, and that they only had one child in their family left, a four-year-old boy, after they had to bury their third child just two weeks before Easter. Nevertheless, on Easter Sunday, the parents and the remaining child still went to church, and that morning, the mother of the three deceased children for she still told her Sunday school class all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the father of the three deceased children, for he still read the Easter story in Sunday school as he led devotions. And the congregants who knew about their great loss all wondered, for how on earth could they do all of this just two weeks after losing their third child in a matter of two weeks? And it was on the way home from church when a 16-year-old boy asked his father, Dad, that couple who lost three of their children, for they must really believe everything about the Easter story, huh? Of course they do, the father replied back to his son. For all Christians do. Yeah, but not as they do, the son replied. And thus the question then that I want you all to consider deeply here this morning, church, is this. For have you truly and sincerely and honestly placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who died for your sins and who rose from the dead for your salvation? And that I am not asking you here this morning if you tell others that you are a Christian. Nor am I asking you here this morning if you go to church once a week. Nor even am I asking you here this morning if you believe intellectually that there was a historical person named Jesus of Nazareth who died on a cross, told some profound parables, stood up to the Pharisees, and had some rather good and right and moral things to say. Because in all honesty, for you to only say those things, church, or to do those things, church, or to only think those things intellectually, church, for that is not enough for you to be saved from your sins. Because although you might believe God is one and do well, for even the demons believe and shudder, James 2, 19. But instead, what I am asking each and every one of you here today, even those who come to church here every week, who bring their Bible here every week, and even to those who put their money in the offering plate here every week, is this. For have you truly and honestly and sincerely placed your trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Not in any of your good works, nor in any of your good deeds, nor in what you tell others, how you identify yourself to others, nor in what you merely think and intellectually about this man named Jesus, but instead have you truly placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the one who died and who rose again for your salvation, because if you can't answer yes to that question, for it does not matter then what you tell others about yourself, nor how many good works you may have done, nor how many Bibles you own, how often you go to church, or even if you believe that this man named Jesus of Nazareth was a real man, a good man, a moral man, or some kind of really, really special man, since it is only those who place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who will be saved from their sins and receive the gift of eternal life and who will not be put to shame. 
Which brings us to point number two. How will anyone believe in Jesus Christ and call on Jesus Christ if they never hear about Jesus Christ? How will anyone believe in Jesus Christ and call on Jesus Christ if they never hear about Jesus Christ? Verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So in light of just writing in verse 13 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, for that naturally then leads to the question, how exactly does someone call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved? And thus the apostle Paul then, for he asked in verse 14 the rhetorical question, for how, they, for how then will they call on him and whom they have not believed? Essentially asking here, for how will people call on Jesus to save them if they don't believe in him? Only to then ask rhetorically in verse 14, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? In essence, asking here, for how will people believe in Jesus Christ if they never hear about Jesus Christ? Only for the Apostle Paul then to ask in verse 14, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? Essentially asking here, and how will people hear about Jesus Christ and about his perfect life and death and resurrection if no one tells them about Jesus Christ? only to finally then ask rhetorically in verse 14, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? In essence, asking here, and how will anyone go and preach about Jesus Christ or tell others about Jesus Christ unless they have been sent? And the Greek word rendered sent here, as Tim Keller again explains it, is apostello. And the apostle Paul probably here has two aspects in mind when he writes the word sent. The first being that Christ has sent us authoritative witnesses and teachers, the apostles, whose message is in the Bible. But second, sent also likely refers to the way Christ, through his church, sends out missionaries and preachers and ordinary Christians in all places and at all times to be messengers of that apostolic word. For God has sent us with the message of salvation, and he may send us overseas with that message, into pulpits with that message, or even across the street to our neighbor with that message as well. And as it is written, as we see in verse 15, for how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The apostle Paul citing that of Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 here, which reads, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And that how beautiful are the feet of those, or how wonderful is the coming of messengers who bring the good news and who proclaim the gospel of God. And thus, in light of that, 
For I read this week, church, that because the children of the world do everything in the area of their interest, that they have been called wiser than the children of light. And their lesson to us is a challenge that we do not need to be ashamed to accept. In fact, we have reason to work with even greater energy than the Greek runner Pheidippides, who fell dead after he had run from the plain of Marathon to bring the tidings of victory to the triumphant Athenians. Since the tidings that we bear to this waiting world are the eternally glad tidings of a crucified Redeemer who conquered sin, death, and hell for us all so that we might live. For listen to that again, church. In fact, we have reason to work with even greater energy than the Greek runner Pheidippides, who fell dead after he had run from the plain of Marathon to bring the tidings of victory to the triumphant Athenians. Since the tidings that we bear to this waiting world are the eternally glad tidings of a crucified Redeemer who conquered sin and death and hell for us all so that we might live. And yet, does that describe the type of energy and the type of zeal that you possess, brother Christian, sister Christian, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to this waiting world around you? Are you more zealous, brother Christian, sister Christian, to share your fantasy football victories with the world? Or to make known your thoughts about your favorite TV show to the world? Or to boldly share how smart you are? Or how popular you are? Or how much money you make? How powerful you are? Or how important you are to the world? Rather than sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. And I am asking you all this this morning, church, because when I look at my own life, for far too often I see uninspired energy and a moderate zeal and a pretty ho-hum, apathetic, and in all honesty, a sinfully indifferent spirit about bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to my friends, to my family members, co-workers, and even to those who I see every day, let alone to people who live on the other side of the world from me. And thus, if that type of sinful attitude toward evangelism also describes you too this morning, church, then like me this week, lovingly, let me encourage you to not only repent of that sinful indifference of yours and to remind yourself at this time that the gospel, that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, but to also then ask your God, Christian, to give you the grace you need and the courage you need and the words and the zeal and the passion and the enthusiasm you need to take this gospel message of Jesus Christ to this world around you, since how will anyone around you believe in Jesus Christ and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ if no one ever shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, church? And thus, as we begin to close this morning, for I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who is here first. And being non-Christian that I do believe that I have been sent into this pulpit here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church to herald the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. 
For let me share with you then at this time this gospel message, or the good news that although we were all born dead in our sins and deserving of the wrath of our holy God for our very sins, that God the Father in love sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world as truly God and as truly man to not only live and to dwell amongst us, but to also then save the children of God from their very sins. And he, Jesus Christ, did that non-Christian by initially living for them here on earth the life that they could never live. And that Jesus Christ kept the law of God for them perfectly and completely and without any kind of offense and in doing so fulfilled the law of God for the very children of God, something that they on their own could never ever do. However, this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, for he not only kept the law of God for the children of God, but he also then bore the wrath that they, the children of God, deserved for their very sins by taking their sins upon himself and by giving himself up and laying down his own life by being pierced and crucified, killed and crushed on a cross at Calvary in their place and as their very substitute, as the propitiation or as the wrath-appeasing sacrifice for their very sins, which not only satisfied the justice of our holy God, but also appeased that non-Christian the wrath of our holy God toward his sinful children as well. And thus being that the wrath of God was satisfied by Jesus Christ. And the law of God was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And that sin and death then had no power or no claim over Jesus Christ. For three days later then, this sinless son of God, Jesus Christ, for he didn't stay dead or buried in some grave, but instead three days later, Jesus Christ, for he rose from the dead and he defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin, and can clothe you then in his righteousness, in his perfect life, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, and today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here this morning, being that today is our Mission Sunday, For I'd like to close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, obviously then in light of missions. Because even though, as previously mentioned, that we as Christians, that we all must be willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be willing to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who still need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, Since how are they to believe in Jesus Christ and call on Jesus Christ if no one ever shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? Nevertheless, the kingdom of God isn't just made up of people who are close to you, Christian, or who run in the same circles as you, Christian. 
but instead the kingdom of God, for it will ultimately be made up of people groups from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation, of people who do not all speak the same language as you, of people who do not all possess the same color skin as you, and of people who do not all eat the same food as you, live on the same continent as you, and who do not all have at this time the same access to the gospel of Jesus Christ as you. And thus, in light of that, for as one scholar shared, that in reflecting on Romans 10, verses 14 and 15, that we should be asking ourselves and each other whether this passage is describing the missional vocation that any of us are called to, and that do any of our hearts tug for some particular people group, or does some country keep lodging itself in our minds? And if so, for maybe God then is calling you to missions. And thus what we need to do then, more metaphorically speaking here, is to check whether God has given us the feet that have been especially blessed to go and to tell it on the mountain, in the river, in the valley, in the slums, in the country, and in the city that Jesus Christ is Lord. For we need to check if we have feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And if to live the story of Romans chapter 10 means for one of us to take those blessed feet of ours for a walk that's a long, long way from home. And that is what I want to leave you all with here this morning. For I want to ask you all, to genuinely seek the Lord in prayer and to ask Him if He has called you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just to your workplace, Christian, nor just to your friends, Christian, nor just to family member of yours who live three hours away from here, Christian, but to ask Him if He has called you to go into missions and to potentially bring the message of salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth which I realize that some of you might be sitting there this morning thinking, for that's our final point of application today? Since, I mean, there can't be more than a handful of people here today who are actually feeling called at this time to go into missions or who might actually desire at this time to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the uttermost parts of the earth. And although you might be right, Being that today is our Mission Sunday, church, and Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 is part of our text this morning, for it would be shame on me to not encourage those individuals who might be sensing that call from the Lord to seek the Lord in prayer at this time in order to see if they have truly been called by God to go into missions. And thus, if you are considering at this time, Christian or thinking about at this time, Christian, or maybe even feel yourself being called to the missions field at this time, Christian, then lovingly let me encourage you to pray about it and to seek the counsel of your brothers and sisters in Christ about it and to then just be willing to walk in faith wherever the Lord might lead you, even if that means taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who live in a different country than you. Since although the harvest is plentiful, Christian, for the laborers, for they are few, thus it is my prayer that we as a church body 
that we recognize this morning that it is not by works of the law that we are saved, since by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin, but that instead we hold that we are justified by faith apart from works of the law, so that no man may boast. Furthermore, being that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in faith will be saved, for let us also then be willing, Father, to share this gospel message of Jesus Christ with the world as well. And thus, if we have anyone here today, Lord, who is sensing your call to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations, for do not let them fear the unknown, but instead give them the grace and the confidence they need to walk faithfully in the ways that you have prepared for them. And let us as a church body celebrate this call and encourage this call, support this call, and ultimately praise you, Father, for this call. Since as we all know, for how will the lost ever hear the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe unless you, Father, send messengers? Therefore, it is my prayer this morning, Father, that you, God, that you continue to send laborers and messengers, maybe even from this church, to take the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, to the unreached people groups from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation throughout this entire world who still most certainly need to hear it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I have no idea what is going on in the heads or in the hearts of the dear individuals here this morning. But Father, if you are calling any of them at this time into the missions field, Lord, give them a peace that surpasses all understanding about it. And Father, we pray that you make it clear to them at this time that you are calling them, and that it is your will. And let them be quick to talk to their brothers and sisters in Christ to see if we as a church will affirm that call. And if we see that calling as well, Father, let us encourage this dear brother or sister and rejoice with this dear brother and sister and build them up since the harvest, Father, that is out there, it is plentiful, but the labors, for they are few. Father, we thank you that you are Lord of all, of all people groups, from all tribes, all nations, all tongues throughout this entire world. And let us labor faithfully to get them the gospel message, which is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes. Father, let us be faithful in our role, whatever it may be, at Faith Bible Fellowship Church, to bring forth your gospel in terms of the Great Commission. We trust you, Father, and I was reminded this morning, Lord, we trust in your sovereignty. This is a work, Father, that only you can do, but we rest in the fact that any work you begin, Father, you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, and we will rest in that. In Jesus' name, amen.